All right. Thanks for those WhatsApp voice notes. Uncle JJ, I knew you would be stressed about those increasing uh, the costs for school education and all of the other associated items. That's why uh, we've invited Erica Liebenberg to come onto the show uh, to share just some advice with many parents and guardians out there who would be trying to navigate the best way to make it through not just January, but the rest of the year. Uh, she is the Just Money editor as well. Erica, good morning to you. Thanks for your time. Good morning, Kathy. Thanks for having me. It's it's never an easy time. And I think, you know, on the one hand, we can ask and say, look, we know that there's going to be reopening of schools. Parents know their children mm. are going to have to, you know, get some extra supplies. And yet it seems the same old pattern repeats itself year in, year out again. Indeed, it does, Cathy. And I think it, it must feel like a hamster wheel to parents. And of course, this year is not the easiest year. Um, the last couple of years has been very challenging. But um, as we head into 2022, we're looking at an inflation um, last year of 5.5%. And that's only set to rise further. And, of course, that's going to have a knock-on effect to school fees and all of those expenses that parents are facing. So a pretty grim start to the year, I would say. Mm. And let's talk about those additional costs. Do you find that it's mm. often what parents have not expected that puts a strain on the budget? Definitely. I think it's actually a bit of both, Cathy, because what we're seeing with school fees, for example, although we only had a 4% increase in fees last year, which is the lowest in 30 years, it's still a big hike um, when fees remain prohibitive for so many parents in the first place. So... Over a child's lifetime, uh, you know, looking at primary, secondary and possibly tertiary education, parents are facing fees of about a million rand or expenses of about a million rand, which seems crazy and impossible for, for so many people. Um, and generally, fees increase at 2 to 3% above inflation. So we're already looking at the highest inflation rates for years and years. And then on top of that, you've got that additional hike in fees. Mm. Then there's the uniforms, of course, uh, it, you know, even with a basic grade one uniform you're looking at about 450 rand to get a child started um, you know in grade eight you're looking at about the same you know you've got a new uniform to provide the competition tribunal has uh, done away with the exclusive supply arrangements that so many schools had which means that parents can shop around but the cost remains so high um, you know at a public school you're looking at 30 to 60,000 rand per annum just for fees that's no books no extramural activities and, and that's where I think the unexpected expenses come in, if you like. I think seasoned parents that have had more than one child at school can start to anticipate those a little bit. But with COVID, for example, we're now looking at a hybrid learning arrangement where you're sort of part-time at school, part-time learning from home, which, of course, means you need a computer. There's audio equipment, you know, headsets that you need, a webcam, good internet um, connectivity, which is not cheap, enough data. So, yeah, there's, there's those expenses that have also snuck in with COVID that have made it so difficult. The, um, yeah. Even yeah, I want to pick up on this on on the issue of, of dual learning that you've spoken about because mm. some parents are saying that now they have to hire additional help for the days where they are unable um, to be at home full time with their children because many companies are no longer uh, applying the work from home rule. People are having mm. to go back to the work uh, because vaccinations have become available and more and more organizations going the route of uh, having vaccine mandates. How mm. much of that also becomes part of, of the problem? 
a huge part, Kathy, absolutely. Because as you say, there's now this additional burden of hours, you know. So, so schools aren't necessarily back full time. They're still kind of like half days going on, which means there's that extra burden of hours that need to be filled in. But also, you know, the hybrid learning situation or the dual learning situation continues, which means that kids need additional assistance. So there's not a teacher available as there would be during a full-time, you know, school loading to assist them when they run into trouble, which means there's also potentially additional tuition fees. You know, the kids are having to learn half day on their own and, you know, it's difficult. And I think even if a parent were at home, and you're quite right when you say that the workforce is, is decreasingly becoming remote in the sense that people are going back into the workplace, um, even if that wasn't the case, I think so many parents, when you start to head towards the, the senior years especially, mm. that it's, it's very difficult to remember that content from your own schooling years and to be able to help your children. So there's that tuition fee that becomes, you know, impossibly high and the additional childcare fee, so, yeah, those are, are absolutely reality. So even though we are seeing in some ways a return to normality, it's only, it's only partly, um, which is only increasing the burden on parents further. And then, of course, there's the issue of the anxiety and mental health issues that have mm. happened. You know, living with, the, with, with sort of a pandemic hanging over your head, it, it's a frightening thing. And I think, you know, children sense that stress, there's financial pressures, and all of these have a knock-on effect on, on the psyche of a child. So... While some schools are fortunate enough to have their own in-house counselling facility, many schools don't. So there's another another expense that parents have been burdened with. So, yeah, very difficult time. Part of the research that has been conducted into uh, our credit rates as South Africans and, you know, what it is that we're struggling with the most, um, the, 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 the challenge for schools is around the collection of school fees. And mm. there's been a decrease in parents honoring that commitment to pay school fees yet in the same breath parents don't seem to be willing to want to take their children out of schools which uh, perhaps they might not be able to afford anymore what advice would you have for parents who are having to to make those decisions so difficult Kathy. I, I really feel but I feel for the schools and I feel for the parents I think it's an impossible situation in so many respects because Taking a child out of a school that they are familiar with, where they have friends, where they understand the system, is extremely traumatising to a child on top of the trauma of, you know, the general situation that we're faced with at the moment. Um, however, it, it really is advisable. You know, the first step or first course of action would be to speak to the school, let them know what your income situation is. I know that a lot of people have faced pay cuts and job losses. Business closures, I mean, 41% of small businesses have collapsed and rising over this COVID period. So, you know, rather than ducking and diving, I think the first critical thing is to, is to sit down and to try to negotiate some kind of arrangement if you can. If an arrangement can't be found, because schools are under increasing pressure as well, then unfortunately it would be a case of having to shift the child to a school that charges lower fees. Um, some of the private schools are charging anything up to 200,000 rand per year, and, and, I mean, that's a massive thing. Obviously, you get a level of service that is attached to that, but if you can no longer afford that level of service, it isn't fair to keep the child there because that burden then becomes the school's problem and other parents' problems. So, mm. yeah, definitely moving on earlier rather than later or at least starting that conversation and not just letting your accounts looking hopelessly into arrears. In terms of removing children from, um, you know, public schools and, and, and sort of the, if you're not in that higher bracket in any case and there's not a cheaper school to move to, 
incredibly difficult because, you know, to move a child out of school into a homeschooling system, you've still got to provide that schooling. And that's impossible for parents that are, that are heavily reliant on a, on a double income or for single parents, of course, who only have the single income in the first place. And any homeschooler will, will tell you, trying to educate your child on your own is it's a special kind of torture in some respects. <laughs> it's very, very difficult. So mm. Mm, I think it's having those conversations, starting with those open conversations with the school and seeing if you can come to some sort of arrangement is really the way to go. You talk about the fact that these are the de- these are the kind of decisions that must be made sooner rather than mm. later. What is it when it comes to our budgets and our finances where oftentimes we don't deal with the situation we are in honestly? Mm-hmm. That, you know, we, we continue to deny that, let's say in the, in the instance of, 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 of parents owing school some, uh, some money in terms of school fees, I- instead of doing what seems like the right thing, to find a different school where the burden on one's purse won't be so heavy. We will go and get credit to pay off um, mm-hmm. that school fees. And, and when we can't pay off that credit, we, we get more credit. Yes, absolutely, Kathy. And, and this is known as the debt spiral. So basically what happens is, and, and in fact, um, Debtbusters, which is a debt counselling firm, they, they do a sort of a five-year report, if you like, or a debt index report. They found that in the five-year period between 2016 and 2021, people are actually 24% poorer because of inflation and because of only nominal income growth. And there's a 25% increase in unsecured debt, which is that debt that you're talking about now, where you're taking out credit to pay for something that is not an asset, which means you've got nothing to sell to, to have the hope of paying that credit back. And that becomes a cycle, a downward spiral, and people are getting themselves into horrible amounts of trouble with it. And, it, and it's really inadvisable. There, there is such thing as good debt. So, for example, a home loan would be considered good debt because it contributes to your future wealth, to your family's wealth. But that bad debt is anything that is not going to contribute to your future wealth. It's just going to get you into trouble. And as much as education is absolutely essential, paying for education that you can't afford by using unsecured credit, is that would be considered bad debt. It's, it's better to have that conversation with the school and to, if necessary, to move to a less expensive school than to start taking those loans out. And if people are finding themselves in trouble, there is help available. There is debt counselling available with legitimate and registered firms who can help you to renegotiate with creditors, perhaps to pay a lower interest rate or to pay the debt off over a period of time. And that also means that there can't be any legal action taken against you, and it's a win-win because your creditor receives funds, albeit at a lower, you know, they receive their money back, albeit at a lower rate, I mean, you're not, you know, having a judgment taken out against you. So if you have gotten into that kind of trouble, um, and Kathy, perhaps now would be a good time to talk about some of the signs that you actually are in trouble and that you've gotten yourself over-indebted. Um, so some of the signs that you need help are that you can't keep track anymore of your creditors and payments, so you've forgotten who you owe and what you owe. That's a big red flag. If you're unable to manage your monthly spending and if you're taking out loans to get through the month, that's a, that's a big one. If the majority of your income is allocated to debt, then you've got to know that you've got a big problem and it, and it really is time to seek help. And, and you mentioned, Kathy, that quite often we're not ready to face up to that, and that is absolutely the case. There are actually cycles of debt that people go into, and 
one cycle of it or one stage of it is denial, just denying that you've got a problem and, mm. and you know, being unable to face it. But that's so dangerous because it's only something that feeds on itself and continues to get worse. So if you're in that situation right now, the very best thing that you can do is to stop, take stock of where you are and be honest with yourself and your partner, your spouse, your husband or wife. Let them know what's going on if they're not aware so that you can come with a solution together. Please seek help. There is nothing wrong with that. And you'll be in such good company because there are so many South Africans that are seeking get counselling and it is not something to feel guilty or ashamed about. Absolutely not. Mm. I've got a number of WhatsApp voice notes that have come in um, and, and I want to play some of them for you so that you can mm-hmm. respond and really just uh, help some of our listeners, Erica. Of course, you can also get in touch with us on 011-714-2006. That's the number to dial on the WhatsApp line 614 So I'll play them one at a time and give you an opportunity to respond. A lot of uh, schools, they flat out refuse. The arrangement they come up with, okay, pay it off uh, within this year. They're not listening to you when you talk that, hey, you know what, my business collapsed or I've lost my job. There's no one working. We can't buy food. Hey, well, what we can do for you is you pay it off over the year. There's no... Uh, negotiation that's happening at all. Uh, they don't want to maybe discount it. Personally, I told I told the school, listen, this is my situation. I don't have a job anymore. But if you discount this thing here, um, then I will, you know, try and find um, that percentage that we agree. Even if it's fifty percent. I can go find it and then let's let's arrange to pay that. No, you pay the full amount, but pay it within this year. Otherwise, we're handing you over. Yeah, uh, it's very diff- yeah, very difficult, Kathy. Very mm-hmm. unfortunate. And at mm-hmm. the end of the day, it's the child that really suffers. I think you know it's it's very difficult to comment on situations when one doesn't know you know sort of what the situation is specifically at the school, but. What has happened is that so, so many businesses have collapsed. So many parents have lost their jobs and it's all happened at once, which has meant that the school has faced the situation en masse. And I think the situation with COVID is something that none of us have ever experienced. None of us could have anticipated. And it's meant that schools are amongst those businesses that indeed are facing collapse. And indeed, um, there's a school very, that was very close to Redham in Somerset West, but unfortunately, um, you know, they then had to change. I'm not quite 100% sure what happened, but I know that they are no longer, and there's a new brand that's taken over there. So that's also the reality that is faced by schools. So I think I absolutely sympathise with that parent. It's heartbreaking, and I've heard that story from a number of parents that they've really tried. They've been proactive. They've spoken to the principal. They've written letters. They've tried everything they can, and the school's given them a flat no. And unfortunately, what has tended to happen in those cases is the child or children have have had to be withdrawn from that school and placed in another school. South Africa does still have a means-tested school fee system. 
So there is that available, but unfortunately it is going to in all likelihood mean changing schools. It's a, it's a great pity. I re- yeah, it's, it's a terrible situation. Mm. We'll continue the conversation with Erica Liebenberg. She's the Just Money editor. And of course, we'll also give her a chance to give you some of the practical advice on cutting down on one's budget. Where are the places that would be easy to look at when you are caught up in a situation where the cost of your monthly needs is above that which you are able uh, to meet? For now, it's 11.30 and Musa is standing by with your latest headlines. Hashtag SFM Talking Point. We continue the conversation on the talking point and we've been looking at how parents can best navigate the increasing costs of schools uh, of, of or rather of educating their children. Of course, there are different uh, costs that are associated there. And what are the tips that are actually available uh, to parents? Erica Liebenberg is the Just Money editor and she's been joining us for that conversation. So, Erica, let's talk about... Uh, aspects of the budget where uh, parents can easily look at and try and and make some cuts right so so the first thing is to actually have a budget Kathy and I think a lot of the time we've got a pretty good handle or we think we've got a pretty good handle on what's coming in and what's going out but until we take the time to actually sit down and document our income and our expenditure and that includes all of our expenditures so our monthly bills if you like and then our variable expenses so even if it's a half hour, Cathy, to sit down and document the main costs, and there are actually apps that can help you do that. FNB's got their smart budget app, and on the justmoney.co site, we've got our budget calculator. So, um, you know, that's quite a neat little uh, uh, calculator, rather, where you input all of your expenses, and it helps you. It sort of prompts you through that process. You input your income, and at the end, of it, it shows you how much you've got left over and what you're spending on each sort of category, if you like, of expenditure. That can help you to see where you can cut back because I think sometimes when we when we actually follow a formal process like that, we can be a little bit shocked to see where our money is going. So if we're not watching our spending patterns, it's really too easy to get into, into bad habits. Uh, bank statements are also another really good place to start. And what I actually like to do each month is download my bank, my bank statement. I start with my debit orders and the dates that they come off. So I know that there's a certain amount that needs to be in my account by a certain date. And then thereafter, this is what comes off my account. So by looking at that, you're at least able to say, right, this is what I'm spending on. This is where I might be able to cut back. This is what I've got left over. What can I do with it? What can I, you know, what is the best use that I can put towards? And also any tax refunds, we're going to come up, well, we're coming up to financial year end now at the end of February. So tax return season is going to open in July. Any tax refunds that you've got, absolutely put it towards saving rather than spending. So I think a lot of the time people look forward to tax refunds and, and bonuses. We've just finished the year as well and, and sort of might tell themselves, OK, this is I'm going to do this with it or we'll go on a holiday or we'll do that. If that's untenable at the moment, if you've done your budget and it's become clear that there really is a shortfall and you need to cut back, then any money that comes in needs to be allocated towards the necessities rather than the luxuries. The other place um, that you can look at, you know, because sometimes I, I think a lot of listeners are potentially listening and saying, okay, I've done my budget, I've seen what's left over, but gosh, I, I, there's really not enough. So some of the places you can say, for example, if 
let's say you're buying lunch every day at 30 rand a day. By the end of a week, um, you know, you're looking at 150 rand at 600 rand a month. If you take lunch to work, you're going to save several hundred rand a month. The same with cappuccino coffees that you might be having. It's those small things that really add up. And with fuel being the price it is, I think or planning your journey carefully, because we're now looking at nearly 20 rand a litre, certainly inland it's 20 rand a litre for fuel. Even the most fuel-efficient car, you're looking at 80 rand for a 100-kilometre journey. So, you know, consider those things as well. Downsizing your car, you know, using a motorbike for yourself for your own transport if that's possible, that's going to save you a bit. When it comes to children's expenses, look at the second-hand options first. So with uniforms, books, sports equipment, always go for the second-hand options first. Um, shoes, a little bit more difficult because they tend to take a lot of wear and tear, so they tend not to, to, to go the distance. Um, bursaries, also make sure that you're well-equipped with the list of bursaries that are available at your school or institution or another school or institution if your child is a high achiever. That's absolutely something to consider. Um, but I think, you know, really tightening up the belt, cutting out the luxuries and preparing your budget properly are a good place to start. All right. Erica, I'm going to play a couple of more WhatsApp voice notes, just some of our listeners also uh, contributing to this conversation before we wrap things up. My suggestion is, OK, uh, the, give the discount to the parents and... Uh, cut back on the salaries of the of the staff in the school instead of giving them a full salary give them a 50 percent salary it's way more than we were getting we got zeros um good morning is that a practical suggestion is it a practical suggestion erica to to say well teachers must take away less so that Parents can can afford to take their children to schools. I wow. Um, okay, <laughs> I'm not an educator, and I can't speak on behalf of the school. But I can say that um, you know teachers need to cover their expenses as well. So even if they, it looks like they're doing a part time loading, there's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes. And I absolutely understand where that where that parent is coming from. With the new hybrid learning situation, it really can seem to a parent as though, you know, look, the teacher's only putting in half a day. Why are they getting a full day salary? It's a fair question. It is, and I understand it. But at the end of the day, we all need to be able to cover our expenses. And I think the risk that we run with an arrangement like that is losing more good teachers. And as a nation, we really can't afford to lose more good teachers. So I'm sure, or I'd like to think, that the schools have considered all of the possibilities for cutting back on expenses. And I'm, I'm quite sure that, that, you know, certainly the principals that have, that have done their budgets up, that have really gotten their, their ducks in a row, have, have looked at every single area that they can cut expenses from. The other thing that one can consider, you know, from a parent's point of view and also from a school point of view, because it's quite possible, though I, I would absolutely stand for correction, that there has been some salary cuts in unionised um, work, uh, you know, teaching staff, is a side hustle is something that I think we all need to consider. So, for example, from a teacher's perspective, tuition, you know, taking on students to do private tuition. From a parent's perspective, looking at a hobby you know, if you're handy with, with woodworking, for example, you might be able to actually monetize your hobby. And I think, you know, where we've seen salary cuts and where we've seen cuts to, cuts to hours, we all need to be thinking about side hustles. Um, 
you know, if you've got a laptop and you're good at typing, for example, there are, there's transcription work that you can do. So I think South Africans have always been extremely entrepreneurial and I think they're becoming even more so where people are starting to look at those opportunities outside of their current working hours to see where they can make additional income. But in terms of cutting salaries, gosh, that's a really tricky one. And I think it's something that, um, you know, that's really a discussion that the education department would need to have with the various schools and, and, and something that's a little bit tricky to comment on. But I can say that the teachers um, that I know that are quite exceptional work well beyond the hours that they're actually in contact with students, whether mm -hmm. it's marking papers, preparing for the next lesson. And, of course, preparing a class for hybrid learning um, is actually even more challenging because you're setting the child off with additional instructions that they need to be able to follow to get their work done. So and I think it's yeah. a challenging, yeah, challenging situation all the way around. I think the point that you've raised there that just because it's hybrid learning, it doesn't mm. mean it's less work for the teachers. If mm. anything, it, it's more work for the teachers. And, and certainly you'd find yourselves with a lot of disenfranchised, um, you know, members of, of, mm. of, of schooling communities if the part of the answer was to say people must take uh, salary cuts, especially because we know across the board it's not exactly like teachers are earning the most lucrative of salaries. Well, let me go to Gwena. Gwena, you're calling us from Polokwane. Good morning, Gwena. Good morning. Yes. Yes, mine is a, is a, is a sort of a complaint. Mm. They, uh, when the school closed, they gave us all the, 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 a list of the stationery that we must buy for, for the reopening of uh, the, the school. You see, they, when the, the, the child has passed, goes on to the other grade. They give you the list that of uh, things they, they 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 want. Now I bought all the things they they want at the school. That is uh, books and and things like uh, uh, glue sticks, uh, pencils, what. Now this morning I went to the school to 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 deliver those those books, only to find that it's you know we we must. We must keep them at home because the uh, the government has, has delivered the, the books. So you see, this is a necessary uh, expenses or, or on our part. And uh, the other thing is this: how can uh, one of the looks says is that they, they, they want ten pencils for a child at the school? Five big grit blue sticks. How can a child go through five big fifties in a year? Ten pencils. Where does the rest go? Because they are not going to use all of all of the stuff. And and have you raised that with the school? Have you have you made them aware of the fact that you think some of the things on their list are unreasonable? No, I haven't, uh, because. Uh, I thought maybe I'll wait until maybe there's a there's a parents meeting where we can discuss all these things because you you buy these things the kids don't bring them day on daily you you buy them you give you hand it over to the school there are things like uh, pencils and glue sticks you hand them over they don't bring them daily home so you don't know whether they are finished at the end of the year or what 
And where does the, the remainder of them go? Because we buy them every year. All so, right. Uh, yeah. Surely there must be something wrong uh, with, with the schools. Yeah, th- those are very important questions, uh, Gwena. And, and I think you, you probably need to raise them with the school as well. Erica? Absolutely, Kathy, you're so right. I think, you know, you can wait for the parent-teacher meeting, but I think it's worth raising it up front um, because once you've made that expenditure, once you've purchased those items, there's no returning them, which means you're sitting with that expense. So I think even when you receive the list, it's, it's worth querying and just saying, guys, you know, we, you know, last year, for example, we, we sent out five glue sticks. We, we really can't understand. Are the children honestly going through five glue sticks? It's definitely a conversation that's worth having. All right. Erica Liebenberg, let me thank you so much for uh, your time and for coming on to the show today. She is the Just Money editor and really some sound advice uh, for parents as we kickstart the school uh, year of 2022.